Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Acura of Memphis. Who's lightning? Here once again are Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Wow, a busy show to say the least. One more hour to go on this Monday, December 4th, 2023. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy. Zach Boyd with you from the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure's Christmas sale continues at 2120 Whitten Road, just north of I-40. Nice day today on tap. 50 degrees currently. Sunshine. We're looking at a high today near 53. Some clouds mixed in tonight with a low of 38 degrees. We've talked to, obviously, plenty of college football, the the uh, playoffs, the bowls, Memphis's. AutoZone, Liberty Bowl game, invitation. But now we turn our attention to basketball. And Saturday, not good. Memphis once again loses in Oxford to the Ole Miss Rebels, an Ole Miss team that was undefeated. But really, nobody knew how good they were. But you figured they would step up. They always do when they play Memphis. And the Tigers, who held the lead for 33 and a half minutes, fall 80-77 to to the Ole Miss Rebels. The Ole Miss starters dominated the Tiger starters and Matthew Morrell, the kid from Memphis, who was off to sort of a slow start. 20 points. You knew he would step up. Meanwhile, Memphis couldn't hit the side of a a barn. 3 of 18 from 3. Ole Miss was 11 of 22. The latest net rankings, again, which come out daily and, and help determine the NCAA tournament field. Memphis now at number 71 after the loss, they're 0-1 in quad one games, 2-1 in quad two, 1-0 in quad three, and 2-0 in quad four. Nice win for the Rebels who remain unbeaten. Bad loss for the Tigers. Yeah, it was, it's a... I mean, they had no business losing that game. Um, they basically let three guys beat them. Um, I, the, for the life of me, I don't understand what in the world they were doing down the stretch um, for David Jones to not get a shot in basically the last six minutes of the game and barely touch the basketball, really. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just doesn't... You know, Petty talked about we wanted to run through Quinterly and we are just kind of letting him... They're just... I mean, Quinterly was not having a good game. He, he, he shot it extremely poorly. I don't understand how with Jones doing what they did... Flanagan had four fouls at the time. Um, they don't really have a good matchup for Jones. Um, wh- how in the world your strategy became, let's run Juan Quinterly off ball screens and let him try and play downhill. They've got a seven-footer in the lane, so he's not going to be able to really create in the lane at, off the ball screens. Like I, I, I am dumbfounded by their offense down the stretch. I don't even get it. And yet... Yeah, and the idea, like they didn't have anybody who could guard Jalen Murray, um, but you don't have to guard two of the guys on the floor. Breakfield, you didn't have to guard; like he could, he couldn't make a shot. And you really don't have to really guard whoever the seven footer is with they out one of the two out there. So like you'd think you might run and try and get the ball out of Murray's hands, and they didn't. They just kept trying to guard him one on one. He just kept beating whoever was trying to guard him. They had no answer for him. Um, th- this is a I mean, they should have been up by about 15 at halftime, probably. Um, they were, you know, only up by seven then. But once they went up by 11 in the second half, they had a chance to put that game away and couldn't do it. And then down the stretch, again, the last 550 of the game, David Jones didn't take a shot. 
That is not that, that's not even, it's not even possible to explain how that would ha- would happen. Yeah, you, you worry, and one of the worries going into the season was you have so many guys that have done it before and expect to do it now, and Quinterly shot the ball horribly, and yet he he tried to play hero ball. Now, whether or not that was instructed by Coach Hardaway or that was Quinterly just taking the shots himself, but he was 2 of 12 and 0 of 4 from 3. David Jones has been the most consistent player, and not only consistent, consistently very, very good. 9 of 17 from the field. He went 2 of 8 from 3, so I know he didn't shoot the outside rock that much, but or that well. But David Jones is your go-to guy. And as you said, they got away from it. Now, after the game, Coach Hardaway talked about putting the blame on him. He took the blame for not getting the ball to David Jones. Well, that's ridiculous. I mean, that that is absolutely... You could take the blame, but that is absolutely ridiculous that he didn't get the ball. There are a lot of other things... But it's on Penny. Penny said, like, we were running... All they were doing is they wanted to put the ball in Javon Quinterly's hands, set ball screens for him, and let him do his thing. It was Penny's fault. Oh, so I didn't even know he said that about Quinterly. I was, obviously, I was doing a women's game. I was not there. I know that he said it was his fault for not getting David Jones the ball, but I didn't know the strategy was to give it to Javon Quinterly. Now, Quinterly has to have the ball in his hands because he's the quarterback out there. He has six assists in the game, just two turnovers. But Quinterly's got to be looking for the best shot, and the best shot isn't Quinterly jacking up shots. You had the timeout that was taken late, but Penny said he'll he'll stick with that a million times to call that timeout, to use that final timeout to get his defense set. The problem is the defense didn't do a good job because they gave up two key threes down the stretch. And then when it came down to the final seconds, they didn't have a timeout and they jacked up the three and and ended up losing the game, had the foul at the very, very end. But you're right. There were three guys that were killing them. They were all starters. So the Ole Miss starters, once again, um, carried the load and outplayed the Memphis starters. And once again, Jordan Brown, Non-existent for Memphis. They only played him six minutes. I don't know what the deal is with that guy. But Malcolm Dandridge did some really good things. He ended up with 13 points and hit six of nine from the field. So Dandridge picked up for Jordan Brown, who has really been non-existent throughout the start of this season. But that's that's a game you really needed to get. Now they got to turn around, go to Richmond, play VCU. Not a great VCU team, but a capable team especially at home, and then next Sunday, that's Wednesday, and then Sunday, they're at Texas A&M. These are extremely important games when it comes down to getting as high a seed as you possibly can uh, in March slash April. The, um, the, and the, the, couple of, the final two possessions, the, fir- the final possession is just a terrible shot by a senior point guard who's got to make a better decision. Like, that. that is... It's hero ball. That's what it is. Like that, I don't even know. And Penny is correct. He said the play was for Ashton in the corner, and Ashton was open. Like they, if Quinterly hits him, like he's got an open look at a three to tie the game. They set a good screen. He's standing in the corner. He was going to have a good look for Quinterly to throw up a sideways running three with like three seconds still left in the game. I, I don't know what that there. But the possession before that was awful as well. And a lot of that was, again, Quinterly made a bad decision there. I, it just, the the final defensive possession, not the one where they foul, where they had to foul, but the one before that, they had, and this is why I, I, I think using the timeout was idiotic and they needed to save a timeout. 
But that t- that possession, they had Dandridge and Ashton out there defensively in that possession when Ole Miss was small. There's no reason. Like, you certainly can't have both of those guys out there. Mm-hmm. And that's when Murray gets the shot in the corner because um, he loses defender and Dandridge tries to get out there. There was some, I think, uh, communication issues on the screen. Dandridge is late to try and get out there because um, Mills had switched and he hits the the long two from the corner. But I don't know why you have Dandridge and Ashton both out there defensively for that possession. Um, there, there was just a lot down the stretch. Was it, it was, it was a colossal disaster down the stretch. Quite both offensively and defensively. Well, let me ask you this: An Ole Miss ends up leading four minutes and twenty one seconds, but they led at the most important time the end of the game. They couldn't defend Matthew Morrell. You knew he was going to have a big game. Six of seven from beyond the arc. Memphis continues to struggle in defending the arc. 11 of 22 was Ole Miss. Meanwhile, Memphis, three of 18. Three of 18. Yet the Tigers, at one point, had an 11-point lead. They led throughout this game. When it came down to it, there's a lot of people saying that it was simply Chris Beard out-coaching Penny Hardaway. Now, you said that Penny... Had a good play design there, and it was Quinterly trying to play hero ball. Is that on the coach? Did Chris Beard outcoach Penny down the stretch, and that's why Ole Miss won the game? Or was it just simply Memphis, the deficiencies happened because the players made bad decisions, and meanwhile Ole Miss made some key shots? Well, I, I think, and I knew going in, I mean, it was, I would have guessed going in because I think Chris Beard's going to outcoach most guys. Go, no, Chris Beard, again, down the stretch, there were a lot of dumb decisions made. Like, again, using the timeout. Why are you just constantly putting the ball in Quinterly's hands and not getting Jones involved at all? You should have been ISOing Jones to get everybody else out there, get him the ball, especially if they're going to try and guard him with Flanagan, who has four fouls. He's one of three guys they have. Mm-hmm. Chris Beard was smart enough. They can't stop Murray. Let's just keep going to Murray. Like Let him do his thing. And Murray absolutely toasted him down the stretch. Again, the, the final possession, yes, they set up a play where Ashton was open in the corner. That's a bad play by Quinterly. The possession before that, I don't know what the play was supposed to be, but that was a bad offensive possession. I it, it, no, there was everything down the stretch. Now, Grant going three of eighteen. That's not Penny's fault from three point range. They, they they went three of eighteen, but there was some horrendous decisions down the stretch. I thought both by players, but also by Penny that cost them that game. Jay Lamary ended up with twenty two points and nine assists. All right, if you want to chime in on Tigers basketball, three six zero eight two five five. You can call in or you can text in. Willie is first. Hi, Willie. Yeah, yeah, guys, I'm up the first time calling. Thank you. Well, I, I, I want to say something about Penny. Mm-hmm. He ran that same offense when he was at East. And uh, you cannot run that offense one-on-one ISO. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's not going to work against a team like Ole Miss. Ole Miss, Chris Beard ran that team. And all those guys played together. They did not go off and all this one-on-one uh, attribute. Uh, I tell you what, I get off and let y'all uh, come in on that. Thank you, Willie. Appreciate the phone call. I, I think Willie's right on. Uh, more of a of a total team effort there by Ole Miss, whereas well, Memphis. The, and again, that's a total team. They're, they're really their team. They they got three guys. They have three guys, and Ole Miss, or in Memphis, let three guys beat them. It is Murray, Morrell, and Flanagan. Because if Brakefield has the game he had, like they don't, 
you have, you have three guys that, that can score the basketball on that team, and Memphis let those guys all score down the stretch. But at least Brakefield contributed with six rebounds. He had four block shots. They got some scoring from Sharp, who had eight points. Jordan Brown, two points, played six minutes and 39 seconds. But at least Malco stepped up, and so did Nick Jordan. Dan was awesome. And Jordan had 10 points and seven rebounds, but he was a minus 17 out there on the court. But to Willie's point... That's the worry about Memphis is in these close games, is there going to be too much hero ball? Is it going to be one guy, oh, no, this guy wants the ball. No, this guy needs the ball. And obviously, it was Quinterly with, you know, the, the I guess, um, the thought process of I'm going to win this game for Memphis when he had the opportunity, like you said, and Penny said on that last play, to get it to a wide-open Ashton in the corner. The... And, and I'm, and I'm, listen, I, he probably lost track of time, but again, as a senior, like, you've got to be able to, you've got to, first of all, six seconds is plenty of time to get down the court, make a pass. Absolutely. It is certainly not, I have to run down the court and fire something up on the dead run. Like that, there's six seconds is a lot of time to get down the court. I, I was wondering whether Ole Miss would foul or not in that situation. Chris Beard chose not to foul, um, let that play out. Of course, and again, Quinterly takes a bad shot. Now, who knows if Ashton's going to make the three or not, but he was certainly had, had an opportunity to get a good look when it comes to that. Yeah, it's, you know, the, the ISO offense that they want to run, mm-hmm. that's whatever, if that's what you want to do. But you've got to know who needs the ball. Like, you, David Jones has to get the ball in the final five minutes of a game. Absolutely. Like, like he just has to. You have to run plays. You have to get. It has to be designed. We're going to get him the battle. I don't care if you want to ISO him once he gets it. And you just literally clear the half court and say, go do it. But he's got to get the basketball in the last five minutes of a game, it's it's an unbelievable that you would have him not take a field goal for almost six minutes in a close game down the stretch. Yeah, no argument from me. Coach Dorsey is dialed in. Hey, Coach. Hey, how y'all doing, man? Good. How are you? Hey, y'all keep it worked up, man. Y'all doing an amazing job. Y'all, Thank you. you know, y'all talking. Y'all telling the truth, man. Y'all repenting the good. Y'all say how good you But I just want to ask y'all quickly, because I'm going to get off the phone real quickly. Sure. It was about two or three minutes left. I heard a broadcaster say that, Old Miss Coast love getting down here, right? Mm-hmm. So I thought at that point maybe he should have went to a little zone, man, on that point because he knew the guy was going to try to get down, man. And you know you can't switch off, man. So what did y'all think about that? That's all. I mean, we Thank got you. to play a different defense. Appreciate right. it, Coach. I it was again with the fact that they have three guys. I would have. And they they don't do it. I would have I would go zone against Ole Miss in mm-hmm. most cases because again you got two guys out there that generally you don't have to worry about offensively. You're you're just making sure you know where the other three guys are, and yes, especially when Murray just kept. It didn't matter who was guarding him; they tried everybody, and he just kept beating every one of them off the dribble. And there was never the help wasn't good at getting there. Like it was, it was generally bad. You know, Jordan. I think Jordan gets lost defensively a lot. It seems like he seems like in switches or whatever. Jordan seems to get a little bit confused on defense. I don't know, mm-hmm. but. But yeah, I, I would have absolutely tried to do anything to keep him Murray out of the lane with what he was doing. Like you had nobody that could stop him. Murray gets to the lane, but he also hits four of six from three. So combined with Morrell, the M&M boys went 10 of 13. Here's the thing. Jalen Murray played 39 minutes and 39 seconds, for goodness sakes. Oh, he listen that and that kid is tough as nails. Um, he is a New York kid. He's from the Bronx. Like and he plays like it. Like that dude is a gamer. 
Um, he loves that moment. He loves that atmosphere, I think. Um, you know, he was on that St. Peter's team that made the long run in the NCAA tournament. He is, that dude is a tough, tough kid. Greg is next. Hi, Greg. Hey, man. Love listening to you guys all Thank morning. You. Thank you. Look, um, I, I, I kind of hate to say it because you shouldn't have to say it at this point in, in Penny's career. But I believe Penny is is learning how to actually coach this team. And that's, that's not – I can't say that's bad, but it's not good because uh, seasoned coaches, they just know how to coach good teams. But Penny is a good coach. He just kind of dropped the ball down there at Ole Miss. And that's a game we should have. We we really needed to win. Mm-hmm. And and I, I, I hate that we lost that game. But everything you guys saying that Penny didn't do with his players, uh, uh, with, with with the players he has, is correct. And, and I'm like everybody else. I'm wondering why he just didn't recognize this. Yeah. That's that's a that's a good point. We don't know. We don't have the answer yet. Yeah, well, I tell you, we still got a chance, and I believe this team is a tournament team. I think we can beat. I think we can come. We can play with Texas A and M. We we can probably. This is a good basketball team. I agree. Penny is gonna have to hone in on 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 maximizing the skills of his players. Right. And you, hey. We got FAU still on the schedule. We still got Texas A&M. Clemson, and Virginia. We do, we, West Virginia, we should do good in, in the conference. You want to get a high seed, so we have to – Penny going to have to take advantage of these chances, man. Thank thanks you, Greg. And, and thanks for listening, well, Greg. Well, there's no question. We, we talked about it ad nauseum. The conference stinks, with the exception of Florida Atlantic, which, by the way, put up – I think it was 95 or 96 in their win against – Texas A&M. Other than that, it's only going to hurt you if you lose a game because it's not going to help you if you win over the likes of Rice and UTSA and East Carolina. So that means you have to win these games. That's a tough loss. It was on the road. Okay? And Ole Miss, they get hyped up to play Memphis. There's no question. They've dominated that series in Oxford. But Memphis has to win some of these roadies, and I think they have a great chance. And I agree with Greg. This is a good team. doesn't mean the season's over because they lost that game, but you have to figure out What's wrong? And then you have to correct it. You have to fix it. How did they do as far as giving up offensive rebounds? Let's see. Um, Ole Miss had 10. Memphis got 16 offensive rebounds. So Memphis did a better job in going to the boards. Memphis had 50 to 30 advantage in points in the paint, 18 to 10 advantage in second chance points, 35 to 9 bench points. Like, you should win the game. They should win the game. Like they, they, they absolutely should win this game. And the thing is, like these, these are the types of games. This is the type of loss that ends up making you an seven or eight rather than that five or six. And it, it just you're as again, Villanova continues to pile up losses. <laughs> they, they finish last in your Big Five. The now they're Big six. That is a. <laughs> That is still a quad one loss, but it's literally they're right on the limit. They yeah, are number fifty. Incredible. Which if they fall one spot, Missouri is like one hundred fourteenth in the net. Um, so I, you know, I thought that would be a quad one loss because on the road, but Missouri is right now at like one fourteen. Again, these are going to change mightily 
um, as they go along, as conference play and all that stuff. You know, Ole Miss is at 95 right now. You need, you hope that those maybe can both can get up there into the top 75 and those become quad one losses because they're on the road. But now it just puts more pressure on the next one, the Texas A&M, the Clemsons, the Virginias. Like you've got to get some of these wins. Um, and it's just, this was a game, this was sitting like, Honestly, they should have won this game by double digits. Like they, they should beat this Ole Miss team by double digits. Not, not to stir it up, not to stir it up. But I was asked by somebody if Stansbury was coaching them, did they win? I, I have down no the idea. stretch. I don't, I don't know. with his experience. I don't know what I don't. Again, I don't know how much Penny listens to those guys. All of that stuff. I don't know. But the 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 Jordan Browning Penny talked about afterwards that you know he we got to get he's got to be a double double guy for us. If you play him six minutes, he's not going to get a double-double. Well, he, he, and he said, i got to play more than six minutes. But he got the two fouls right away. And and then the second, like, he, like, if you watch him, like... Is he just slow? It's hard to put him on the court. Like, he, he's slow. He seems, like, he doesn't finish. The first play of the game, he had a layup, and he couldn't finish it. Like, he's, like, worried that he's going to get it blocked, and he's, like, doing something. Like, Dude, you're massive. Go try and dunk the basketball. And right. Good chance you'll get fouled, but... Right now, like the way he's playing, and especially and with the way Dandridge is playing, you can't put Brown out there ahead of Dandridge. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dandridge was did that dunk Dandridge had on Musa? Oh, goodness gracious! They had the block. Like, Dandridge was awesome. Like Dandridge, and again, you got to you know Dandridge needs his rest. But right now, like Dandridge is way better than Jordan yeah, Brown. He is. He's playing way better than them. And Dandridge throughout his career, you have seen signs of wow, that Gonzaga game and the tournament that you say, what he he should have had a better career. But the knees have been an issue. And the motor at times have been an issue. But we saw the motor there. We just Look, it's, it's it's his fifth year. You can't say he's got to be more consistent. He's not consistent. That's that's a part of the issue. But you're right. Right now, he's easily the better option than Jordan Brown. And, and on the Ole Miss side of things, that it is a the idea that they have won every one of these games that has come down literally to the final possession is it's, it's like it's almost impossible to do it. But I mean, Detroit had a final shot to beat them. Temple had a final shot to beat them. Memphis had a final shot to tie them. Sam Houston, I can't remember if they actually had the shot or not, but it was a three-point game. They've won, I mean... So is it luck? Is it the coach? I mean, you got one of the great tacticians out there. I mean, you can certainly have your issues with him, the man, but as far as the coach? No, he's, he's an unbelievable coach. Like, he's he is a great coach. And, you know, they've made the plays that they need to make to, to give themselves the lead. You know, in this game, they made the plays to get themselves the lead. Murray made those plays. The Temple game, Flanagan made the play, got fouled, goes to the free throw line, makes both free throws. Mm-hmm. The Detroit game, I'm trying to think what the how that worked out down the stretch, how they made those plays. Uh, Sam Houston, I didn't see that game. That was the tad pad game. But again, a three-point game. It's like, but the idea that you could get in this many like literally one possession, one, two, three-point games, and just keep winning every one of them. It's pretty incredible. But yes, part of that is the coaching, and it's also guys making plays in those situations. And Murray, Murray again, Murray is a tough kid. Flanagan has been in through so many big games in his mm-hmm. career at Auburn and everything else. Flanagan loves that moment as well. Those are two guys that love those big moments and will make those plays. And Morrell likes the big moment of playing against his hometown team. 
All right, the uh, top 25 will come out later. Uh, no argument this week as far as Memphis being in or not. They will not be in, but there could be a big shakeup. A lot of ranked teams went down. We're going to talk about that when we return. We're going to get into the Grizzlies. We'll continue to take your calls on either Tigers basketball or on the Grizzlies. Probably move NFL talk until tomorrow since it's been, since it's been such a busy day. There is some... Portal news. Today is the first, again, first day officially players can jump into the portal. Will Rogers, we knew already that he was going to leave Mississippi State. According to reports, he's headed to the University of Washington. So become a Husky. Michael Penix Jr. will move on to the NFL, presumably. And uh, Will Rogers will move out to the West Coast. Folks, a great place for lunch or for dinner. If you want an event catered, they can do that for you as well. And that's the Crazy Coop, the best wings in town, and it's all about the flavors. 27 different to choose from at the Crazy Coop, including the mango habanero, the sweet taste of mango, followed by the heat, the sweet maple bourbon. The taste will remind you of chicken and waffles. Again, that's just a couple of the 27 delicious flavors that you can put on their whole wings, party wings, their boneless wings, even those big, juicy chicken tenders. Two locations. 7199 Highway 64 between Appling and Kirby Witten. That's in Bartlett. And the Crazy Coop Express at 1315 Ridgeway off Poplar. It's near Five Guys. Again, you could take out, order online, have DoorDash or any of the other services deliver. As I mentioned, they will cater your event, so contact them about that. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook. At the Bartlett Restaurant, they have the full menu. That includes all the great sides like the fried okra, the green tomatoes, the fried dill pickles, plus their delicious catfish sandwiches, their half-pound burgers, and so much more. It's the Crazy Coop. You've tried the rest. Now, try the best hot wings in town. The Crazy Coop at 7199 Highway 64 between Appling and Kirby Witten and the Crazy Coop Express at 1315 Ridgeway off Poplar. You're tuned in to Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Acura of Memphis. Power is everything. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. This hour is brought to you by Acura Memphis, Ridgeway, right there at 385. That's where you'll find Acura Memphis. You're going to find beautiful Acura automobiles, new vehicles, pre-owned vehicles, certified pre-owned Acuras. You'll find them all at Acura Memphis. You'll also find some great people to deal with, make it a great car buying experience overall when you go see the folks at Acura Memphis. Whether you're looking for that new vehicle, maybe you're looking even to lease a vehicle, whether you're looking for a pre-owned vehicle, go talk to the folks at Acura of Memphis. You can also get all kinds of information, including the inventory of pre-owned vehicles, by going to their website at acuraofmemphis.com. So looking at the uh, the net rankings, um, again, today, the first day that they are out, um, of the upcoming opponents in the non-conference right now, and these things will change wildly as the year goes along, Texas A&M is at 15, Clemson is at 18, and Virginia is at 27. Um, so certainly some great opportunities in those three non-conference games. And two of the three at home. Yes, and even at home with those current rankings would be quad one opportunities because mm-hmm. um, at home it is top 30. Um, and you've got Florida Atlantic, who you know you're going to play twice. They're, certain, they're sitting at 11 right now. Mm-hmm. Now the problem is, 
the rest of the conference. You do have Tulane right now at 66. Uh, then you got SMU 84, Wichita State 88, North Texas 104, Charlotte 110, Temple 171, Tulsa 178, UAB 235, East Carolina 264. Uh, How about Vanderbilt in the non-conference 276? Well, yeah, they've been terrible. I know, but South 276. Florida's 273, Rice 274, UTSA 303. Right. I mean, it's, it's no surprise. That's every, what we've been saying. Most of, your, most of your conference games are going to be quad three or quad four. Yeah. Like it, it's pretty much just about every one of them. Again, Tulane at 66 right now. Theoretically, right now, that their road game at Tulane, that's a quad one opportunity. Whether that's going to be the case when you actually play Tulane, well, we shall see. They're games that are going to hurt you bad if you lose and not help you if you win. So over the weekend... The number, and there'll be a new poll coming out at about noon. The number 1, 3, 4, 7, 12, 18, and 21 all lost. All right, you know, those ranked teams. All lost. Mississippi State lost at home to Southern University, 60 to 59. But number one, Purdue loses to Northwestern in overtime, 92 to 88. Marquette loses at Wisconsin, 75 64. I would imagine. Arizona will be the new number one. Kentucky loses at home to UNC Wilmington, 80-73. UConn lost, but a tough one at Kansas, 69-65. So Kansas, Arizona, one of those two are going to be number one, I believe. Duke lost at Georgia Tech. How about Damon Stoudemire already picking up a couple of big wins in his first year at Tech? That was 72-68. You mentioned earlier Villanova. Villanova falls to Drexel, 57-55. Drexel in its first year. Of the Big Five should be the Big Six. It's stupid. But anyway, they have now lost to Big Five teams Penn, St. Joe's, and now Drexel. And Villanova crushed Memphis with that horrible first half for the Tigers. College basketball is already drunk. It has already been something the first month of the year. Um, Texter texts in, says, should Memphis allow Mikey Williams to join the team this season? Nope. Uh, I would say... No. How about how about no way? I mean, come on now. You're gonna you're gonna throw in a guy, and it's not gonna happen. But you're gonna throw in a guy into a team that has already been together for three months or whatever it is, and chuck in this freshman who's got a learning curve, plus everything else that comes with it. No, maybe if that look if that felony. If right now he's got a felony, and he's not going to even get the sentencing till August. You got to wait to see if he if he does everything that he's supposed to do. It will become a misdemeanor. Then there's that possibility he joins the team next year, assuming he wants to go to college next year. He may want to go play in Australia. I don't know the kid, but for this year, no way. Uh, Penny was asked after the game about Mikey. <clears throat> he said, "I'm not sure on that. You know, obviously, you know, Mikey's a part of our team. I just have to get back with the AD. His status hasn't changed as of yet with the school." I have to get with the AD and, you know, talk about it. Wouldn't he be considered a convicted felon? Um, right? Right now? Yes, yes. I, uh, I, I mean, can't imagine they, they give to me, the green light. For this, I, like, I, it would be, Mikey, hey, um, get your community service hours done. Get your anger. I mean, he's got to do it. There's, he's got anger management. He's got gun classes, gun safety classes. He's got community service. And he's, he's done some do. of it. I would just, hey, 
get this taken care of, right? Get this down to a misdemeanor, and then we can talk about whether you're playing basketball at the university. And I assume he has to do it there in the San Diego community. I don't think playing for the University of Memphis is considered community service. No, I don't believe it is. And again, what does it do to the team as far as throwing in another guy already seven games into the season? I mean, we're not talking about him coming now, so it would probably be half the season over with. It doesn't make sense. Uh, the Grizzlies. Grizzlies return to action Wednesday. They'll play in Detroit. Certainly a winnable game. I had mentioned before the uh, weekend on the Friday show that at that point they had eight more games to play before Ja was allowed to come back after 25 games. And I said, I look, if they could split the eight, go four and four somehow, that would get them eight wins, eight and 17. I just kind of did the, the math there and came up with, yeah, it's doable. It's doable to get to 40, 41, where you want to be to try to get into the play-in. But I thought eight was key as opposed to four. Well, they've gone out and they've gotten their fifth as they beat Dallas on Friday night. Dallas playing without Luka Doncic, but it doesn't matter. Memphis was playing without a bunch of their guys, including John Morant. And they knocked off the Mavs 108-94. to Des Bain had 30. Jalen Noel off the bench had 19. Santi Aldama had 17 and 12. Then Saturday, they lost to Phoenix. Pretty good effort, 116-109. Booker came back, and Devin at 34. KD played. Jaron had a great game, 37-9, and Dez added 27. So all in all, they split the two. Pretty good. Now it's the next six without Ja. Can they go 3-3? Three and three? And I think they start, they're going to start off well. I can't imagine. Well, I guess all bets are off so far this year. But the way Detroit's playing, how many losses now in a row for the Pistons? 17. 17 in a row. You don't want to be the team that they break the streak against. So I think Wednesday is certainly a, a winnable game in Detroit. Well, I I just... If Jaron can channel that Jaron every single night, that... Dude, against Phoenix, he was... Like, that was everything you want Jaron Jackson Jr. Exactly. To dude, dude was just going to the rim like nobody could stop him, and he knew it, and he just was absolutely... Like, that... That loss at Phoenix, like that's a game they should probably lose by twenty. Like second game of a back to back, like you're playing Phoenix, who's really good. Booker's back. Booker's back. Like going to that, like they're gonna lose by twenty. Like they're this is it, and they just you know they kept hanging around and gave themselves an opportunity. They had the turnover late that really cost them. But like Jaron was just so good, and it's like man, oh man, every night do this every single night. Be that unstoppable guy every single night, and. Um, unfortunately, he he just doesn't do that every night. Um, you know, you get that going, you get Desmond. Listen, Noel has shown the ability to score. Like he has come in and he's he shows he's got the ability to score the basketball. And you know, they signed him to another ten day deal. Um, they've still got time here on the hardship because so many guys are out. You know, um, but they got the news that Kennard will be back in two to three weeks. Marcus Smart, same time period. Ja will return, same time period. So they're going to have to make some decisions about Biombo and maybe now about Noel. Well, they'll still. I mean, until Kennard and Smart come back. They no, I, no, no. I'm saying when they come back. Yeah, but it's three weeks down the road. Like. Right, but right now, don't you think that Noel, he's pretty good. That you might want to keep Noel, and you certainly want to keep Bismack Biombo. But that would mean you would have to either find a trade somewhere, maybe trade one of these guys like a Conchar for a second round pick, do something, or you're just going to have to eat some money and and get rid of two guys because you're going to have to make two roster moves. Yeah, I mean. Certainly, again, Noel's shown 
I mean, Vince Williams is showing that right now, like told you, he might be have to be part of the rotation as well. Now, once those guys come back, he's not, but he certainly, yeah. Um, and you can keep him on the two way deal if you want. They don't have to worry about that as far as he is concerned. You got him on a two way deal, and right. you're okay with with that. But, but yeah, eventually they're gonna have to make a decision with a guy like Noel, and, and maybe there is a trade out there to be made to unload a couple of guys or or something to create some roster spots. But there's no doubt that um, when Jock comes back, one decision has to be made. Um, because of uh, that that spot that you have to take care of as far as Biombo is concerned, but right. um, but yeah, Noel is Noel shows he he is not afraid to shoot. I know that much, but he has shown the ability to score the basketball. And if he can continue to do that, hey, there's a role, there's a spot for you if you can score the basketball. So they're five and fourteen. Here are the six that they play. Here are the six that are remaining before twenty five is up, and then Ja returns at the Pistons Wednesday. You better win that one. They have the Timberwolves on Friday at home. I think the crowd's going to be great Friday. First of all, it's a Friday night crowd, and they remember what Anthony Edwards had to say. I think the crowd's going to be great, but I don't know if they win that one. Then they get the Mavericks on Saturday. I guess it depends on if if Luka's going to play or not, but the Mavs are going to want a little revenge after losing to the Grizzlies. Then they go, not back-to-back, but there's a day off in between, but they'll play the Rockets in Houston and then at home. I think they'll split those two. The Dylan Brooks return on Friday, December 15th, and then on Monday the 18th is at OKC, and that's going to be tough. Can they get three out of those six? That's the question. I think they certainly can get two, but maybe the way they've started to play, maybe they can get three. By the way, I still can't believe that Dallas went on a 30 to nothing run in a game and lost. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Like that's. Did you see those numbers for the, Luka? You're talking about the weirdest thing ever. A mm-hmm. team on. If you just say this team had a thirty to nothing run in the game, like that's a guaranteed. How win. much did you win? By? That is a guaranteed win. You right. can't give up a thirty to nothing run and still win a basketball game. But yet somehow Oklahoma City did that. That's that is crazy. Yeah, Lucas triple double double numbers were incredible. When I saw they went on the thirty nothing run, then later I saw the score of the game. I was like, oh, I thought. I was like, oh, I thought Dallas went on the 30 to nothing run. I guess my best bet, Oklahoma City went on. Then I look like, no, no, Dallas went Dallas on the did. 30 to nothing run, and they lost the game. Uh, we got a text from a criminal defense lawyer. Nice. It says, as announced, he is not a convicted felon. Usually a diversion, diverted sentence is not a conviction. It is a one-time, first-time, get-out-of-jail-free card. A conviction requires a finding of guilt and a sentence. Diversion is a finding of guilt, but not a sentence. The sentence is diverted, postponed, to see if the defendant can comply with certain conditions like anger management, community service, and gun safety classes. If he is successful at alternate programs, he is never sentenced and therefore never convicted, not a felon. So thank he would, you. He, thank it, you for the explanation. Yes, thank you very much. So it would end up being a misdemeanor on his record, but not a, a felon. And right now he doesn't have anything. Okay, that's interesting. I still wouldn't take him just because of the continuity of the team. But who knows? I wouldn't take him because he. I'd just say, take care of yourself. Right, right, right. Get that taken care of. And then come talk to me when you get it down to the misdemeanor. I agree with that, too. Uh, that, that's the more important part of it for me. I don't care well, about, I don't know the, kids, I don't care so about gonna... the team and all the cut. I'd be like, dude, get your stuff taken care of. Come talk to us. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know the kid. I just I just want the welfare of Mikey. You know, come on. I, I, can he play basketball? Folks, this year, 
It's uh, we're right in the middle of holiday shopping season, and at Genesis Diamonds, they're giving you a great opportunity. You know they've got a great selection, unbelievable selection when it comes to diamonds and engagement rings and all kinds of fine jewelry. Uh, something for every budget in out there at Genesis Diamonds, you will find it. Plus. They've got great people to serve you. They don't work on commissions. They're not there to try and pressure you into buying something more expensive. They're there to educate you, help you throughout the buying process. And during the holiday season, they've got even more for you. That is up to five years, zero interest financing that is available. That's right now at Genesis Diamonds. They're lowering prices, taking interest rates down to zero. You can't ask for any more as the ability to make your money go further this holiday season than what you can at Genesis Diamonds. Located at Poplar and Perkins Extended. It's in the Poplar Commons Shopping Center. They're right in the middle of there. If you haven't been by there, you'll be amazed the moment you walk in the door at the selection, the prices, the service, everything you get at Genesis Diamonds. And right now you can get up to five months or five years, rather, zero interest financing for the holiday season at Genesis Diamonds. All right, when we come back, final segment, we'll tie up some loose ends. Got a few more college football notes, a little bit on the NFL, although we'll break down the games from week 13 tomorrow on the program. You're tuned in to Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Be sure to follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to watch live video of our shows, stay up to date with station events, and have chances to win prizes. Don't miss out on anything that's going on. Follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Acura of Memphis. Get them to sign on the line which is dotted. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Gonna put the world away for a minute. Pretend not to So Boise State not only wins the Mountain West Championship, but they destroy UNLV. Wow, what a finish team that Memphis knocked off here in Memphis this year. They get rid of their coach, Andy Avalos, and they win the Mountain West Championship. And so yesterday they announced that Spencer Danielson, the interim coach, will get the head coaching gig. He will get the permanent job, Spencer Danielson, at Boise State. Good for him. We already talked about Willie Fritz heading to Houston. So Tulane has an opening. Who else has openings right now? In Indiana filled theirs. With uh, the guy from JMU, Signetta. Signetti. Signetti. Uh, I don't know for sure. Syracuse filled theirs with the uh, defensive backs coach from Georgia. So I'm just curious what else is out there. I thought maybe Jeff Trailer would get a job, but more than likely, he'll remain at UTSA. So the NFL, as I mentioned, we don't have time to, to talk about it today. We will do a segment probably in our first hour tomorrow. We'll wrap up out, uh, week 13 tonight with the Bengals at the Jags. We'll have that game for you right here on Sports 56, 98.5 FM, beginning with the pregame at 7. But I did want to mention last night, the game between Kansas City and Green Bay, won by Green Bay. And Jordan Love played outstanding. He's been really good. But my gosh, the officiating in that game down the stretch play after play after play and I love the fact that Terry McCauley who's the rules analyst for the folks on NBC for Tariko and Collinsworth 
was every time saying, yep, yeah, that, that's the wrong call. That's a bad call. That should have been called. I'm glad it wasn't just a, a, a yes man. You know, oh, no, 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 they're right. They're right. He'd stick up for his fellow officials. And I look at that and go, I mean, how are these guys, their, their grade from the league has to be an F. There well, were the, so many bad calls. The missed pass interference um, on the play to Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I mean, the the referee after the game said that they did not, what was the term he said they you I can't remember what the term he said, but they did not see any, um, I think it's material obstruction, I think maybe the term they use. Um if you if that if you don't think the defensive back um, materially obstructed him from making the catch by that contact, I don't know what you're looking at. He did more than materially. He, he he came over his back and knocked him to the ground before the ball got there. I don't know. Like that is to me that like that right there is like why pass interference rule even exists. Like that is as textbook pass interference. I think as you could possibly get. Well, we had we had the hit on the sideline with with Mahomes. Now again, I understand the protection of the quarterbacks. He's trying to get a first down and he's in bounds. He's in play. He didn't target him. He didn't go helmet to helmet. I don't understand. You had that one, and then of course the hail mary, which they never call. Yeah, and I, the, the hail mary, like I don't. That's yeah. Everybody's pushing and shoving. That, right, I don't. Right. That one. That I don't. I that I I don't want that's stupid to call that because if you're gonna call that then there's offensive guys shoving I agree there's defensive guys shoving all of that stuff but there are the, several other the other pass interference game. call the first one that it, I I, it's I, again, I don't even understand how you possibly miss that call it's it's as obvious as mm-hmm. could be and it's in the middle of the open field like there's there should be three officials that had a clear view of that and for none of them to make that call is crazy to me. You need a tough, reliable tractor to tackle those tough chores. We'll go see the folks at Mid-South Ag Equipment. Get check out that Case IH Farmall series of tractors, which they have for you at Mid-South Ag, plus bush hog equipment, and much, much more you'll find there. But the Case IH Farmall series, well, versatile performers, great values, great to get whatever it is that you need to get done and save you money as well. And Mid-South Ag has the full line for you. Located just south of Kyerville on Goodman Road, easy to get to off of I-269. They're just a half mile west of the Goodman Road exit there, so easy to get to them and see them at Mid-South Ag Equipment. Plus, you can find them online at MidSouthAg.com. Check out special deals they've got going on. Check out inventory of uh, equipment that they've got from new to pre-owned. They will also do service on your current equipment. This time of year, you want to make sure you're getting things ready for next year. We'll go see them at MidSouthAg Equipment. Hey, I want to thank all you listeners, but also the callers and the techs. Great job in bringing it. And although we may not always see eye to eye, I love different opinions about it. And we certainly had a polarizing topic with the playoff and the committee selections, specifically Florida State being left out and Alabama being put in. Thank you very much. Way to bring it. By the way, Sam Hardiman from the Daily Memphian tweeting out that the Memphis City Council will consider a resolution tomorrow that would ask the University of Memphis Auxiliary Services Foundation, the future owner of Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium, to add city reps to its board. So we're getting closer and closer to all that coming to fruition with the University of Memphis owning and running Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. Our thanks to Barrett Salee for joining us today on the program. Tomorrow, Jeff Crane from the University of Memphis will talk Rhodes Athletics with Zoe Goodson, their men's basketball coach, Blake Topmeyer from USA Network on college football. Plus, we'll have our NFL Week 13 recap, Humdinger's Trivia. We'll give you the topic for five favorite things as well, which we'll do on Wednesday. That's all coming up tomorrow, starting bright and early at 7 a.m. Well, the one, friends, on Sports 56 is next for Eli Savoy and Zach Boyd. I'm Greg Gaston. Have a great day, everybody. 
everybody. Yeah.